1: Hey, 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 we are back on the uh, secret friends unite podcast network this is code 47 episode 102 i am charlie carden uh the lionel richie of your commodores commodore of uh the uss grand petoskey of the international star trek fan club and of course of this delightful program that you've been uh following with us for over 100 episodes i am joined by my esteemed partner the trekker from greater Chicago Land, jen watson jen good morning
0: Good morning.
1: How are things over there in the City of Wind?
0: Uh, It's a little cooler than usual, which is kind of nice.
1: Yeah, Uh, true. Same here.
0: Pretty good. Things yeah good.
1: good deal rock and roll well we are uh, back this is our uh, this is the second of our floating episodes because we're kind of without new content uh, until next week when we start talking about strange new worlds uh, I was very fortunate in so much that uh, working through uh, my partner Kurt Krug who's a member of our chapter uh, the USS Grant Potosky and a freelance journalist that I was uh, he helped me make contact with the good folks at uh, the promotions department at Viacom and I got myself a screener of the first six episodes of season two of strange new worlds very exciting um we've we've watched four of them um those four uh, all contain materials and kind of plot lines that you end up seeing in the trailers and stuff so uh and i would certainly never reveal anything i've seen because that's against the code but i can tell you and i think i mentioned this on on a tweet and on some social media things yesterday uh that season two is better than season one if you can even if wow. you can even if you can even wind yourself up to the concept is <laughs> no, it's just absolutely it's like, bam, bam, bam. Every episode has something different. Everybody's getting moments. Everybody's getting getting kind of a touch and and, and a touchstone and some different moments and everything. So just buckle up. So, uh, you know, if you're listening to this uh, on Monday, uh, when it comes out uh, on Thursday of the same week, on the 15th is when uh, that first episode will drop. So hang on. Watch it. Uh, we'll be back later in the month. Um, I know we're kind of juggling who's going to be with me, um, <laughs> but uh, we will definitely have some people on to talk about the those first two episodes since two weeks will have gone by so um I'm well yes i say
0: i'm very excited about that yes
1: as well and, you should be uh, i i heard you have a you have a com- it sounds like you have a combatant there in the room with you
0: Meow, meow. i do he's in here <laughs> with me
1: it's okay it's okay
0: it's uh it's Oliver. no worries.
1: You know that actually happened with uh, yeah. with my partner Todd on our main show, and he's usually like me; he's very buttoned up. But he's got a ninja cat that just kind of appears. Oh, there you are, Oliver! Yeah. There you go. He has not learned his basic uh, cat lessons: uh, up is good, down is bad. No, down uh, up but is he's bad, a down good is good.
0: Cat and a pretty cat.
1: Yes, exactly. And you, don't <laughs> need to tr- you don't need to treat him with the phaser, the, as Riker no. has suggested for Spot. That no. would be naughty. So, anyway. well, much. <laughs> anyway, yes, much like uh, much like with last episode, uh, we are going to tackle uh, in a segment that I've dubbed a very special episode, uh, a great episode of Star Trek spanning the franchise, and one that is potentially what Jen. What do people call the opposite of great? I'm, I'm struggling for word here. Bad. Bad, yes, an episode <laughs> that is bad. All right, well, uh, you know, two two sides of the same coin. And again, you know, always keep in mind, um, good and bad in entertainment is over a hundred percent subjective. Uh, I may ta- I may talk about this great episode. You may say. <clears throat> And, you know, Jen may present her bad episode and you go, well, I just don't know what you're talking about because it's a classic brand. I'm not going to reveal it. But, um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, um, I would I'd love to hear if somebody feels differently uh, at secret friends, you that is where you find us um, on Twitter to discuss discuss such things. And you'll see our, our contact information as we go on. But uh, it would be criminal of me to forget to mention and give special thanks to our Patreons. These are the people uh, that make it possible for us to deliver great new additional content. Uh, Jen is joining me. Uh, you'll hear later this month uh, about our exploration of a few episodes of the first season of NBC's Sequest DSV, which <laughs> I absolutely loved, and, and Jen had a capital good time doing it, I could tell. Yeah. Um, but you'll also hear programming from Todd Octor and oh. myself about, oh my goodness! <laughs> I th- I, th- I think he's serious. <laughs> it's okay. <gasps> Um, but anyway, we'd love to have you visit us over at, uh, patreon.com slash secret friends unite, uh, the good folks at Patreon are now actually giving you the opportunity to have a week long trial of our content so that you can check it out, um, and decide if you, uh, want to stay on board for more of what we have to offer. But those fine folks on our BFFs level are the awesome, Nias family, Sean, Stella, and Henry, my dear friend, Missy Merchant. And her pal, Andy Milliken. On the Best Buds level, we have Jamie Prinky. So thank you, all of you, for supporting us. Uh, And officially, my shill is over. But again, patreon.com slash secret friends unite. Check out our content, and you can do that for a week for free. Okay, let's get on with talking about Star Trek. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... The first episode we're we're gonna we're gonna do good bad not bad good because that that seems kind of antithetical to me but uh, we're gonna jump in with my selection I did pick the bad episode last time so now I'm gonna pick the good episode or at least in my opinion and again obviously we're Star Trek fans we feel that the vast majority of what out there is pretty great but some are some greater than others i don't know but this is one to me particularly in in the first season of a series um and in the first season of a series as opposed to uh, i think jen you might agree in the, the the modern age of of star trek storytelling we've had some great shows that have jumped right out the gate with a great first season lower decks had a great yeah. first season yeah. uh, strange new worlds had a great first season but the second season's better i'm thinking um this was an a, a, and they they had three quarters of a season. I'm talking about Deep Space Nine, um, which, which dropped in January of 1993. Um, definitely struggled to find its voice in mm-hmm. the first season. The second season was a little rocky too, but this was a gem. This was the second to last episode. Uh, this would be season one. Episode 19 is called Duet. Uh, after a Cardassian man arrives on the station suffering from an illness that he could have only Contracted at a Bajoran labor camp during the occupation. Major Kira leads an, uh, an ex- investigation to determine whether he is actually a notorious war criminal. Wow. This one uh, was a shocker. This was, again, from the spring of 1993. Uh, I'll go ahead and open this corroborating uh, link here. But um, I was a DS9 episode watcher from the jump. Uh, I had been um, a watch it every week, tape it every week, Um, TNG watcher at this point Mm because we were in now in season six of TNG um and when DS9 came along not only was I fully engaged but the television station that my mom worked at broadcast the the show it was in syndication so it was on you know Saturday nights or Sunday mornings or something um so again it was one that I watched and taped and watched and taped and just was absolutely crazy for even though we were getting a lot of you know cookie cutter 90s sci-fi plots like oh there's a space anomaly that's gonna make the station tear in half or whatever or uh you know rumple Stillskin and uh <laughs> buck bokai the baseball player showing up or you know uh q shows up and it's a real throwaway or you know we're trying to pull in episodes from tng that make you go hey i remember those klingons or this thing or, or the storyteller episode where it's the the village on bejo it's just like uh you guys you 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 guys are really trying, but you're just not getting anything to hit the mark um, after what I thought was a very strong series premiere, in my opinion. But this episode um, gives you serious insight into, I think, the burgeoning character of Kieran Reese, um, learning more about the horrors of the you know, Bajoran occupation when she talks very specifically about, uh, this, uh, Cardassian warlord, uh, Gol- Oh God, I'm already forgetting. Goldar heel. Goldar heel, which I just think is a great name. Heel. I like to put yeah. heel in the name. That's a good one. But yeah, I mean, she, you know, when, when they snag this guy who appears to be a filing clerk, uh, coming in, um, just completely by accident on a, a freighter, um, contracting this Kalnor syndrome, which they know could only have come from this Galatev labor camp, uh, you you find that the filing clerk is maintaining his innocence until he is revealed, and then he you know turns on a, a heel, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, and really uh, starts acting outrageously evil. So, okay, that's my lineup. Jen, your thoughts, please.
0: I love this episode. This is for me the episode where DS9 shows us not only what it can be, but what it's going to be. Right. Yeah. Um, I had no problem with the earlier episodes of DS9. A lot of people have big problems with it. I think that the first season talks a lot about stories, um, like the Storyteller episode. Um, if Wishes Were Horses also dives into stories and kind of what you want to be real. Um And they talk a lot about the the Bajoran prophets and how are they prophets, are they aliens? Uh, It's all about the stories and the mythology going into it. And for a series that eventually takes this turn into like dark gritty realism, it's it's an interesting start to what the series is. Um, DS9 as a whole is about perspective and who's right, who's wrong, um, what's really going on here. And not only is there the heel turn, but there's the additional turn at the end of this one where we find out right. that he's not actually Goldar Heel at all. He is Moritza the File Clerk. He had uh, surgery to make himself resemble Goldar Heel because he wants to be guilty. Right.
1: And he wants, he wants someone to pay and yeah. he wants it so bad. He's willing to give his own life because yeah. he felt his cowardice as he, he said, he, yeah, I cowered under my bunk mm-hmm. because I couldn't stand the screams and he's he's in tears. And, um, I, I just thought it was brilliant. I mean, and, and maybe even at, you know, I was 17 when I saw this, maybe at my age I wasn't able to fully appreciate just how brilliant it was. Um, but yeah, let's have a look at. I'm kind of curious if this was maybe. I know often when we talk about these episodes, we find out that um, the the writers are someone that like maybe it's a spec script, and that looks like it really might be the case here. Uh, Tell played by Peter Allen Fields, who I know is a regular to the series, and but the stories by Lisa Rich and Jean Kerrigan uh, Fauci. Uh, now, those are not names that I recognize no, I as recognize writers. Um, so this was, you know, as we've talked about many times on other uh, episodes, talk about Voyager and next generation of this era. They had kind of an open door policy, uh, the the slush pile of the spec scripts. You could send something in. And if the um, the powers be the producers thought that it was uh, worthy, they would pick it up and produce it. But, of course, then they bring in somebody to do the teleplay or the screenplay mm-hmm. and kind of bring it into synchronization with what a Star Trek story should be. Um absolutely brilliant um certainly uh without a doubt top 10 for the series Mm -hmm. um and somehow some way this did not make it into our top bracket um for when you know back in episode 100 when we did our our bracket challenge but that was it was so tight it was so tight
0: they're so hard to right you know this was almost because i was like um i the one that i chose for that one was uh the knock episode up. It's only a paper moon from right. season seven, but I am like duet. Like it was one of my honorable mentions for if I were to make this bracket all by myself, this is right. probably one of the ones that would go in there as a top five.
1: Absolutely. Um, yeah. The yeah.
0: acting from Nana visitor and I can't recall the name of the guest star, unfortunately, but
1: um, uh, Harris Yulin is his name. Yes. And he was an actor. He saw in a lot of different things back in the day.
0: It's just, both of them are just so fantastic. So compelling in this, um, as the mystery is uncovered, um, you know, Odo's finding more information that, uh, and they're contacting Dukat, and Dukat says, No, Darhil died. I was at his funeral. You right. know, and Kira's like, No, he must be lying because she wants so badly for this guy to be guilty. So he makes himself into someone who is guilty. You know, you think it's going to be the question of is he guilty just by being a filing clerk? Is he complicit in the atrocities that happened at this labor camp? And that you think that's going to be the big moral question of the episode. It sort of is. Um, But the thing with this one that really gets me is that she, hears what he says. She sees the guilt that he feels in this and she doesn't forgive him, but she recognizes that he recognizes that he was part of this, mm-hmm. that he was part of something that was wrong. Um, mm-hmm. The key to this is and, and, and the key to considering him capable of redemption in the first place is that he recognizes his part in all of this. Uh, he admits it. And he seems to be making an effort to do better, to be better, to prove that uh, he and other Cardassians aren't what others think based on what they did.
1: Right, right. Which is, wow.
0: Without that recognition, without him being able to say, yes, I did something wrong. This is what I did wrong. And here's how I'm going to be better about it in the future. He can't actually be absolved. Right. So that's... (sighs) Because prior to that, he's he's spinning lies. He's doing things very Cardassian way. Right. Um, he's doing what he's used to, thinking that, oh, maybe someone's going to see through this. Someone's going to actually do this. He has to be direct. He has to be honest. He has to show his feelings that he was scared and terrified and and, and cowering. And he has to speak his truth in order right. for what he wants to actually happen, uh, which actually doesn't because she lets him go.
1: Right. Right. And there's nothing, I think, that stings more than the the conclusion of this. You know, it it was yeah, it was sprinkled in that, you know, there's 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 a a drunk in the drunk tank in in Odo's uh, and, you know, in the what's the word in the brig and then uh you know he's he finally gets released and says odo let me know when you decide to kill the Cardassian. the guy stumbles out and then uh you know kira is walking uh, Maritza out at the end and saying you know uh uh they you know they're we're gonna move forward with this, you know, you did the right thing, you know, it was very courageous, blah, blah, blah. And the same drunk is standing by that that little, it's like the little to-go drink station at the end of Quark's <laughs> where the little outcropping of the bar. And he just pops out and uh, pulls out a knife and stabs uh, Darheel, a killing blow in the kidneys. And Darheel slumps to the ground, or Dar, uh, Maritza slumps Marissa. to the ground, yeah. and uh, and and is dead. And then uh, Kira turns back to the drunk man who's being held back by Odo, and he says, "Why he wasn't Darhil?" He says, "That's like he's a Cardassian, and that's enough." And she says, and "She's in tears, or uh, uh, the, no, not visitor, doing what she does so so spectacularly mm-hmm. at the at, at the threshold of tears, and making us want to." Uh, feel tears as well but no it says Maritza's already dead when Kira replies as much to herself as anyone else no it's not yeah extremely powerful hate for hate's sake um hating anyone based on their religion based on their race based on their the basically the actions of others who, who perhaps they've associated with um will never bring anyone peace and that's that's the very compelling message here i mean it, it's even God, I mean, even just if you're reading on memory alpha, just some of the quotes from this uh, going back and forth. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, that, that last exchange being the the most critical one. But yeah, Maritza, I covered my ears at night, but I couldn't bear to hear those horrible screams. You have no idea what it's like to be a coward, to see these horrors and be able to do nothing. Moritz is dead and he deserves to be dead. Whew. Really, really powerful stuff. And as I said, in a season, you know, yeah, th- there were a lot of light and fluffy stories in that first season. Good, bad, I don't know. But I mean, just really, really contrary to what we came to find that the series was going to be uh, in the, you know, the six seasons that followed. But just to see this. Uh, and then really was followed up by the, in the, I, I wasn't follow up episode in the, I, I ended up watching the next episode, which was the season finale, uh, which was basically the Scopes monkey trial in space, you know, science versus religion in school. And um, I could just easily pick that one, but this was what, what a, what a one, two punch. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, any final thoughts before we move on?
0: I don't think I can say anything else that I haven't already said. Um, yeah. it's It's a tragedy in the end.
1: Right. You know, unbelievable. Uh, And as always do remember as in in my newly appointed uh, role as helping promote uh, Viacom uh, all Star Trek episodes, including the films I believe currently are available on Paramount plus. If you do not use Paramount plus, I would be, Really surprised if there would not be a free trial available to you with Strange New Worlds coming out this week. So I would visit the Paramount Plus website and have a look. It is, in my opinion, the easiest and most convenient way to watch Star Trek. So it gets my highest recommendation. Okay, shilling over. Yes, please. I was
0: just going to also add that the first season of Strange New Worlds is available on YouTube right now if you live in the United States.
1: Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Our North American friends watch it on YouTube. And then if your appetite is whetted, pop on over to Paramount Plus and you'll be able to watch season two starting this upcoming Thursday. Okay, Jen, now it's your show. (laughs) You're going to lead us into – and I I think it's funny because anytime you uh, jump into uh, episodes of this series, and I don't want to spoil it – Particularly with a certain segment of fans, it's almost as if episodes from the series can do no wrong. However, you and I strongly disagree, which is why you're going to talk about this episode now.
0: <sighs> okay, so I have a difficult time picking a bad Star Trek episode. I, I tend to think I can find some good in just about anything. Which I, I had agree. It, I had it narrowed down to three. So just to put on here my runners up were uh, Prophet and Lace from Deep Space Nine, uh, which really, I just want to add, everything could have been solved if they had just called Pell. That's it. That's all I have to say about that.
1: Can't bring back guest stars. Can't, it apparently it's just the just, just saying.
0: Right. Uh, the next runner up was The Fight from Voyager, which Ew, I found yuck. just completely incomprehensible. Like I Useless.
1: There's Useless nothing episode. more I can say
0: about it. But <clears> there's one that I think can actually have some discussion. There's something to say about it. Um, It is from the original series. which (gasps) I don't want to pick on the original series just for being the original (laughs) series. I recognize that many episodes are of its time. Um, This one is definitely of its time, but I think that it goes beyond just being of its time and actually kind of goes into, this is not what Star Trek is about. And uh, that is Turnabout Intruder. The, the last episode of the original series um what a horrible way to go out
1: I'm just saying I know talking I was just thinking what a it's a it's not even really a death rattle it's no. one a, or a whimper it's just uh you know this it just aired and, and I, ends. I, yeah I would have to dig in to, to look at dates but I mean this aired obviously this aired in June of 1969 which uh, looks re- like it was
0: a couple right. episodes pa- or a couple months past when the prior previous episode had aired
1: oh yeah okay but it was also within weeks of the of the moon landing yeah um which I ironically bolstered the American public's interest in things related to space and very famously, um, within the years of, of the series being canceled. And, and again, Star Trek, the original series is a series that got canceled all three seasons, you know? So it was, they, they were always trying to do it in, but, um, but they went back, and, and I've told the story before, they went back, analyzed the ratings, and found out when they looked at it in a certain different fashion, it was one of the most popular programs they've ever had. And in canceling it was lunacy. So, <laughs> But as you said, to go out with this as, as a parting segment, and as I, I wrote in our notes, I wrote series finale in finale. single quotes because it was simply just over.
0: It was just the last it, episode. It wasn't. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. It just over. No, No fanfare. But anyway.
0: All right. So our description of this one, um, Dr. Janice Lester, uh, a a mad scientist tries to take control of the enterprise by switching bodies with captain Kirk. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they, they are on this planet randomly. There's this woman that happens to be Kirk's ex um, and the line that she gives is your world of starship captains doesn't admit oh. women.
1: They've uh, been regretting that for almost 60 years throwing that line. Out yeah.
0: There. So she is full of angst and woe over Kirk choosing space over her. She thinks she can't go serve. She's in Starfleet ostensibly or was they talk about yeah, time was. in Starfleet. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it. So the entire episode is built on this premise that women may serve, but not captain which is just false, just, just right. patently false. Um, and I don't think it was true at the time either. Um, even if we didn't actually see any females uh, in command of starships. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. not just through the retcons.
1: Right. The, the retcons for sure. I will tell you um, in actual parlance of the first time we saw a female captain was actress Madge Sinclair at the beginning of Star Trek four okay. in 19, in 1986 almost 20 years after the almost almost at the 25 year anniversary mark of the original series so boo but retconned <laughs> and novels and comics yeah. absolutely but yeah um the statement that you know yes you know Three hundred years in the future, that no woman could possibly rise to the rank. of but you know, because you didn't see an admiral or a commodore or a captain, you didn't see anybody Who was the highest-ranking woman we ever even saw? Potentially, Major Barrett as number one in the unaired yeah. pilot of the cage, or in the footage that you saw in the um blah, 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 the menagerie, the two-parter in season one, uh, where she's referred to as. Lieutenant, yet she is the first officer. But someone with the rank of lieutenant commander, you can find they'll, they'll go back and forth. Might be a lieutenant, might be a commander. But yeah. yeah, that was the highest ranking, I think, woman that we ended up seeing in the original series, which right. sucks. <laughs>
0: um, so she thinks he wants to kill her, maybe metaphorically. Um, she says that it's better to be dead than to be a woman. Uh, oh, jeez there's just there's all of this internalized misogyny with this character which i think is not so much internalized because it's you know it's written by a man and so much of this episode is men writing women with like capital letters here where it's the way that a sexist man will think that a woman thinks in order to explain actions which he can't possibly comprehend she's Got this thing where she switches her body with Kirk. There's no explanation given as to how this thing works. She just has a thing that does the thing.
1: Yep, um, that's the, we're, it's yeah. from, like from the Lego Movie. Yeah. We put th- this thing on it's, the other thing, and it and it. Yeah. Welcome There you go.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah, what a guy thinks a woman thinks and acts like if he's never met one or has been wronged by one and makes assumptions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh,
1: it, it, it's, it's almost as if yeah. it was an, an AI, which is of course the big uh, uh <laughs> oh, well, the AIs are gonna take our jobs. An AI would write an episode like this.
0: It almost seems like it. It's like, oh gosh, have you have you met have you met a woman? Um so she's trying to kill Kirk so that she can stay in his body. And she's like, this is brilliant. With this experience, I'll be invulnerable to suspicion. I've, I've figured out how to run the starship. I can do it better than he can because reasons. Um, and uh, Spock knows something's up. So does McCoy. Um... And they decide to put her on a kind of trial because they—they they know this isn't Kirk. They know Kirk right. won't act like this. They know him better than anyone. Um, meanwhile, Janice Lester—or sorry—Meanwhile, Kirk in the body of Janice Lester is in the infirmary, um, just sort of being held there by this other doctor who. Uh, mccoy reveals has been dismissed from the medical board yeah he's medically incompetent
1: he's a crap doctor yeah yeah
0: so they've got a part where chapel comes in to check on janice and um she's just following orders at that point she's not questioning anything she's just like She's just doing what she's told as though women just do what they're told if they're good. So the way that she's written here is oh, like Jesus. just this, just this like, okay, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to do my job and this is what the doctor says. And the doctor says, I can't do that. So I'm not going to do, do-, do
1: that. And doctor I, says you've got to get better. So we're yeah. going to have to, we're going to take you to starvation. Yeah. Oh my God. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, you know, A man said, so I got to do it.
0: Kirk is going to, Kirk, Janice says Kirk is going to direct them to this. Uh, colony instead of the star base, which is closer where she could theoretically get better treatment. But she's like, no, it has to be this it has to be this other colony it has to be this other place. And there's a scene on the bridge where everyone's like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? What's going on? Um, and uh, she's so insistent that everyone follows her orders, even when they make no sense at all, that she's just mm-hmm. unhinged. Um, she's going power mad. Um, and she winds up actually hitting, uh, Kirk in Lester's body, and that's like the big key that everyone's like, "This, that's that's definitely not Kirk. Kirk would never." Yeah, have-
1: he tackles her and he's beating her up in the hallway. Yeah. It's like, oh, God, "What are you doing? Well, oh, she attacked me or whatever." Yeah, whatever his <laughs> excuse was. So this is oh, just it's so it's, absolutely it's just all scene over the place. After
0: scene of her being unhinged, right? Just completely unhinged. Um.
1: And just Shatner as an actor, just chewing, chewing the opportunity to be to act like a woman or act like a jealous, possessive. Yeah. There's just, there, there, there's just, there's no way, there's no way of getting out of this. It's like they just, uh, it was, uh, well, oh my God, it was like an episode of The Simpsons that Candy McFarland and I talked about in one of our Patreon <laughs> segments recently, um, where at the end of it, all the characters are digging a hole to try to find something that's not there. And at the end of it, you see this camera shot where they're all the way at the bottom and, okay, how are we going to get out of here? They, they dig faster and someone says, no, 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 dig up, stupid. <laughs> that, di- oh my god, that's the name of this episode. Dig up, stupid. Oh jeez. Because they just they just can't get themselves out of this hole.
0: No. Um but in the hearing, this is the saving grace of this episode for me, is this point in the hearing where uh the the statement is that uh Dr. Janice Lester tried to gain a position which was unattainable by temperament or training. Which is to say it's not that she's a woman. It's that she is a nutcase.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's a she's a whackamadoo. She's yeah.
0: she's not well. Yeah. She is she's her, her mental health is not being taken care of.
1: Mm-hmm. Um
0: she was not given any kind of care or attention. Um yeah, you know, it was she's dismissed as crazy. And right.
1: That that's all it is. You know, go to sleep, crazy lady. Yeah. Right,
0: and and the way that it's presented as well, she's crazy because she's a woman is the part that I that I have problems with. A oh, um,
1: little bit, yeah. You
0: know the the line of you know the position is unattainable by temperament or training could apply to anybody regardless of gender,
1: right. Um, It's just that that's not your skill set. You are, you're not a leader. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mm.
0: but the fact she's so mad about it and she's just again, unhinged, it says all capital letters unhinged. Um, all Kirk has to do at that point is just sit back and let her dig her own grave,
1: right? Dig up, stupid. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: and uh. Somehow, reasons, shenanigans, it just switches back because Kirk has the strength of character to force himself force back into him. his own body. There's no, like, it's not like they're using that, uh,
1: the switcher, because again. it's back at the planet, yeah. yeah. It can just it's happen just on its own. It doesn't need... It. The, right. Yeah, exactly. But you, it needs to initiate it, but it, you don't need to be in the machine right. to have it... Uh, yeah, so there's there's not even any sci-fi no. logic to how the brain swapper thing works. It's just, you, yeah, with the power of positive thinking, you it's, can make it's it Kirk's disengage It's dominant
0: male brain just oh, being a God. thing and taking over because oh, she's yeah? just a lady and she can't He's, hold her. No. Oh,
1: my God. Oh. <sighs> There could so, be no. There, there could be. I mean, talk about ending in a death rattle. Because really, yeah. if, if you want, and we we talked about the third season uh, of the original series on this show, not not too terribly long ago, because we're finishing in this episode the third season of Voyager, and we've been going in a row, so it's like third season of DS, 9 you know, third season of TNG, mm-hmm. then DS nine, then Voyager. So prior to that, we did uh, within the last year we talked TOS, and it was Peter and myself, and the third season of TOS was just rife with huge budget cuts. Key people left. Gene Roddenberry was barely involved. NBC dumped it on Friday nights at ten o'clock, which back in the sixties, people weren't watching TV then, or it was really challenging, or they were, and the ratings just weren't picking it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were just, you know, the powers of be were trying to kill the show off, and talk about you couldn't really find a greater example of one of the most God awful I mean, the series, the season started with Spock's brain, another one of arguably the worst episodes of TOS. And it ends with this and what's sandwiched in between. I mean, of the, this is episode 24 of 24 of the season. I mean, you tell me even, you know, even without looking at a list, I could name maybe two episodes that I thought were passably good. In the third season, I mean, they're they're all stankers, for the most part. It's not I, I'm, great. Yeah, in
0: general, I'm not looking at a list right now, and a lot of original series for me just sort of all blends together because I it's, know it's just you know, it's, it's not, not no, my it's not
1: my thing either. I, I'm with you. Um,
0: I mean, I like the original series, but I'm just saying that it it blends together because there's not like a through line. We're even right. with the '90s shows that are episodic. There's right. a through line. You can see the evolution of, of you know, growing the watching, beard watching for characters. Watching characters grow. Next gen yeah. and DS9 and everything, right. really. But right. um, the original series is, you know, interchangeable.
1: Right. Uh, as it's, far as it, the
0: st- So I don't know what necessarily is third season, second season, first season, right it's, off it's the top har- of my head without looking at It's
1: hard. The list. It's, yeah, it's hard to tell because you don't really see the characters grow dramatically. I mean, maybe you see fits and spurts with like Spock, yeah. but you gotta, I mean, even with the original series, only. Uh, Kirk, Spock, and then later on McCoy were build-starring characters. Everyone right. else you even notice in this Memory Alpha list all the other characters are guest stars. Mm-hmm. So even though, you know, Scotty gets a story or Chekhov gets a story and like a little tiny piece of character development. But anyway, I guess we don't really need to turn this on just ripping on the original series. Yeah, because but, I, I yeah. don't
0: want to rip on the original series. It is it is a series that was incredibly progressive for its time. I Unbelievably so. That for the, I love that for this show. Uh, yeah. We we would not have anything else without this. Um, it's <sighs> everything. You said it, Oliver. Thank time. you. Yeah, I know. That's <laughs> that's it. Um, I just want to add one more thing about this episode, and that's that it ends with the line of Kirk saying, her life could have been as rich as anyone's if only. And it just.
1: If only there wasn't this episode.
0: <laughs> if only. Well, the unspoken thing that you're going if only
1: she was, she a, was dude. a man oh my god yeah, that, because that's
0: what they were thinking that's what they were thinking but i want to believe i really want to believe in my heart of hearts that james kirk is thinking if only she had received proper mental health care because I mean, that's wh- the right answer here and 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 kirk is he he loves People. He cares about people.
1: He's a very caring individual. You know, yeah, and I, I mean, yes, yeah. I
0: realize I'm projecting a modern sensibility onto a character from the 60s. I get that. Right. But what I want to believe, that's thats what I want to believe. So that's, that's the thing that makes this kind of work for me. That True. and the episode and the, and the line of, you know, unattainable by temperament or training to say right. that it's not all women, it's just her.
1: Right, exactly. But and uh, just just to, just to put, a, put a button at the end of yeah. this, uh, the story of, of this was actually written by Gene Roddenberry with a teleplay by Arthur Singer. I'm not really familiar with his work. So the fact that this was written by the series creator and he was kind of divorced in a lot of ways from the day-to-day on this show, uh, I don't even really know what to make of that information. Honestly, you know?
0: some of the things that I have heard, read about him, I don't think I'm actually all that surprised.
1: Yeah. Roddenberry was. He He was was a man of his time. He was a man of his time kind of reminds in a lot of ways, reminds me of, of my grandfather who was a man of his own time. You know, I'm not
0: excusing anything that he allegedly did or or said, or I'm not excusing his behavior. It's completely, it's it's not, it's not acceptable. It it, It wasn't acceptable then it's not acceptable now. And to think that, you know, he has this view of, Women in general, that like, oh, if she's been wrong, she's she must be crazy,
1: crazy lady. Ooh, keep the get that crazy lady lady.
0: Let's put her in the crazy house. You know,
1: (sighs) and that she's like
0: this because her rejected her or or of course like it's
1: any any woman rejected by kirk it just becomes a kid becomes a crazy mad loony bird oh my goodness well jen this has been an interesting couple of episodes yeah uh, doing this good (laughs) bad so uh, i would have to imagine that the the next time um that we have a lull um between new programming that will probably tackle this again. And uh, maybe that'll be you and me. Maybe it'll be me and somebody else, but yeah. we will see. Um, something that I'm, I'm really excited about is that we we as a program now have a stable of, I don't want to say a stable of talent, like I'm calling you guys thoroughbreds, like your racehorses or <laughs> but between, you know, you and Kay and Peter and Missy uh, and April, my wife, uh, though she's you know, n- not always like, yeah, I want to jump right in there and do it. We have a because everybody has life and schedules and different stuff. I'm glad that I'm able to to have you guys kind of in my corner because uh, there was a time when I started this show um, three years ago where i had I had a co host who's just me and him and he quit. So I was like, oh, what am I going to do? And I found some other folks and they were with me for a while and then they quit and I was scrambling and that's when I found Peter and Kay came into the mix. So now I, it's nice to to have a stable of folks that I know that I can count on and we can rotate. Sometimes we can all do an episode together. So it's awesome. Um, cool. All right. Well. Let's move on to wrapping up the fourth season of Star Trek Voyager. This was third. uh f- third. Oh, I was looking at season three, part four, not part four, season three. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Uh, yes, this is season three, part four. This is the, the final episodes from the spring of 1997. Now, Jen, jog my memory. You uh, and I'm going to ask you your age because I know I know you're younger than me. Were you watching Voyager when it was on for the first time? or Did you catch yes. up later? Yes, so you saw this in the beginning. And I have described in recent episodes of how I stopped early in season three, Mm -hmm. but I came back with a vengeance in essentially the episodes that we covered in our previous episode. So by this time, I was like, boom, I am in. I'm back into watching Voyager. I appreciate it. Um, And then we jump into this group of segments, uh, which, uh, with the exception of one or two, I I thought was potentially the strongest of, of what we had in season three. So anyway, I'll kick it off. Um, with one that I I really dug because it's it's an alt time travel one and we get to see our characters thrown into different roles and stuff. So anyway, uh, episode twenty one of the series is before and after, uh, directed by Alan Kraker, who is a regular director of the series. I hear I hear. Um I've said all the time on the Delta Flyers, his name always comes up, so I know that he directed mm-hmm. a lot of episodes. Uh, Ken Biller did the writing from April of 1997. Shortly before her death in the future, Kess begins to travel backwards in time with a portion of her events occur, uh, occurring during the Year of Hell, which is an episode that we see next season, obviously with different circumstances built around because Kess is not a character on the show at that point. Um, I loved it. you know, And, and again, it's you, you tend to look at voyager seasons one through three in a lot of ways it's funny because you looked maybe at ds9 seasons one through Mm -hmm. three because at the beginning of season four each of those two series gained a new character that largely changed the dynamic of the series so um but i think it was a perfect storm for me with voyager because you had a writing staff that was finding its feet and then combined with a new character in the beginning of season four that, that I found was very compelling. Um, and, and you ended up with episodes like this. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we, you know, we've known since the beginning with Kess that her, uh, her race lives for nine years, which means they, they, they appear to be, Adult age by the time they're one or yeah. sooner. Um, and so you naturally have to think that if she's on this ship and it's this long journey home, that there's going to come a point where she ages out or we're going to see her, you know, pass away. Um, and that's really what you see here. So the, through the natural occurrence of things, but uh, for her living, you know, as you find as time goes by, a different set of circumstances. You know, things diverge at at the year of hell when, you know, again it happens very differently in season four. But you meet the Crenum which is this, you don't really learn anything about them in the course of this episode. You simply see their ship and the fact that they have time-based weapons that in their first attack, Janeway and Balana are killed. Uh at the time of that attack, uh, Belana and Tom have a relationship, which is something that happens. Um, but post that, uh, Kim and Tom become a thing so much so that they get married and they have a kid. Kim and, and Tom—that's a different Kim, show. Oh my God, uh, Kess, Kess, Tom. Tom, <laughs> that is a different show. But what's funny is of That'd the actors, month,
0: everyone.
1: Yeah. Oh boy. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I like it. Um, uh, it's, it's 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 Kim and Tom that are still together in modern day because they do the Delta Flyers together, yeah. which is a great. Which is a great show if you don't listen to it. I, I that's one of the few. I go back and forth with other podcasts, but that's one of the few that I don't miss because I, I really I love Delta Flyers. They're I really enjoy their their reminiscing about the show. But anyway, yeah. um, I love this. You know, through the progress of that, you get to see Tom become first officer, and you get to see Harry get one of his his only promotions to yeah. the rank of lieutenant in this alternate future, which of course never happens. Chakotay is captain, so there's really there's no more Maquis on the ship. He's just he's a captain with four pips, which I. I thought was awesome mm-hmm. tom is lieutenant commander i love that Duloc. um you know Tuvok gets is right is, is a full commander even yeah. neelix becomes yeah. an officer he yeah. becomes yeah. the neelix,
0: neelix becomes the security officer which i think is yeah. really kind of fun because it gotcha. kind of shows that oh he's got Tuvok's old job like yeah right it's you know exactly. their friendship just continues to grow in its own way which is right.
1: cool. Yeah. I like it. So Yeah. yeah they, but you know, eventually just like any Star Trek plot, they have to solve how to save Cass and they get to yeah. the point where they infuse her with radiation and blah, blah goes backwards in time. And then eventually she gets to the end of her life and then moves forward again. But the, uh, the, the radiation they infused her with means that it's it, by the, she reaches back to the right point and everything stops. So, yeah. um, one of my, what, what, one of my favorites of this group, I don't know. What are your thoughts?
0: I, I like this episode. Um, I don't know if it's one of my favorites, but but I enjoy it. Uh, it's an interesting episode that does show kind of, I mean, Kes episodes are hit and miss. Uh, this was a good one. Um,
1: mm-hmm. Agreed. And one of her last, uh, obviously.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, my question is, why wouldn't the future versions remember her telling them about this in the past? Because she's going backwards in time. And every time that she goes backwards, she's like, here's the thing that's happening to me. And at first they don't believe her. And then they, they, they they slowly believe her a little bit more. And it takes a little bit less of her explaining the same thing over and over again, as she goes back in time. I don't know why. The future versions don't go, oh, yeah, you know,
1: I remember now three years yeah. ago.
0: I remember you telling me about this is
1: right for the same reason, probably in the Enterprise episode, Twilight, people do and don't remember yeah. bits and pieces. And it's just it's it's, it's time travel. It's timey, windy yeah. plot armor. Yeah, it did I mean, kind of yeah. remind
0: me of that episode that we yeah. watched recently for the bracket. But this one did it better, I think.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And it uh, was while the while the stakes clearly weren't as high because that episode dealt with you know the annihilation of yeah. the human race. Uh, this yeah. just had to do with Kess, which is a character that in just a few episodes was gone anyway. But yeah, this is when this yeah. is when I re- I remember uh, liking very finely. I self. love
0: the call forward to the year of hell and the fact that that yeah. actually does happen in, yeah. in the next season. Um, right. In general, it's a really cool sci-fi concept. Totally, um, it's neat to show these possible futures. Um, and it's actually pretty solid as far as cast episodes go. Yeah, um, and F. fun fact, I, I have a friend whose name is Andrew Kim and he has cosplayed Andrew Kim from Voyager, the oh gosh, the, the grandson. Right.
1: Yeah. 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 Oh my, <laughs> that, that is a rare cosplay. I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah. R- running around. Does he have Kes's present as his,
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to <laughs> ask him sometime.
1: That, that's really the character's driving motion. Is <laughs> Get your most present done on time, so it's really it's a big deal. Um, well, cool. Well, let's anyway, uh, let's keep yeah. it. Let, yeah, let's keep it rolling forward. the next episode. Is yours? All right.
0: Uh, next episode is real life. Uh, that is directed by Anson Williams, story by Harry Clore, and teleplay by Jerry Taylor.
1: Fun right. fact: Anson Williams is Potsy from Happy Days. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you knew that.
0: I did not know that.
1: There you go. I, uh, that is, if you know what Happy Days is. Which I, I do I
0: know what Happy Days
1: is. <laughs> no, a lot of a, a lot of my younger co-hosts, when I throw out references like with Kay and Peter, it'll just be okay. crickets. When I'm like, blah blah blah. So I'm glad. So to hear I it. didn't
0: have cable growing up. Okay. So I watched a lot of reruns of old shows that was on, on
1: networks. whatever's gotcha. on.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Uh, um aired April twenty third, nineteen ninety seven. The summary. that's my,
1: mother, is, that's my mother's birthday, <laughs> April twenty third. That's so funny. All right, I'll shut up now.
0: Oh, yeah. The uh, <laughs> summary is the doctor creates a family on the holodeck. Um which is a very simple way of of saying that he Creates in initially a, a perfect family on the holodeck. Oh so uh, insufferable. So so I watched this one with Scott, my partner, who does cosplay the doctor. And you know, we're kind of filling in some of these episodes of Voyager from him for him because he doesn't remember all of them. And he asked me when I did watch this, he goes, Are they supposed to be acting bad? Like bad acting? And I'm like, Yeah, they are. So like yeah. keep watching. It's, it's-
1: it's how they're written because yeah. the doctor, the doctor, he is the, he wrote this, this hollow program or hollow novel. And it must be fun to just be, you know, do you have a keyboard and you're like, uh, the wife is, you know, blah, blah is, is June Cleaver and blah, blah from. Leber it's Beaver. what
0: he uh, thinks a family ought to be. Right. Um, it's not necessarily that anyone really thought that this is what a family should be, uh, especially not Bellana, because she's right. coming in when he's telling her about this program. And she's like, Why would you do that? Why would you create a family? Families suck. You know, she's coming in with the baggage of her family. she
1: she didn't have one. Dad ran out. Mom was a, a, you know, an aggressive Klingon. Yeah. And
0: she was traumatized by her family. I don't know if we know this at this point or if that's something we learn later on. But she has a lot of family baggage trauma. So that is coming in. So she's like, I'm going to tweak that program. I'm going to make it a little bit more realistic. Right. So he comes in when he goes back and instead of everything being spotless and perfect. And, oh my gosh, father, I can't wait to talk to you. And Oh, my dear oh, husband, w-
1: please look at my homework. Oh, father. Or, I'll, yeah. Instead I'll of be that, home to do my chores. Yeah, exactly.
0: Everything's a mess. It's There's like a real everywhere. Yep. Everybody's uh, grumpy. You hear Klingon music coming from upstairs. <laughs> <which> <laughs> that I'm was like,
1: definitely very pointed. B'Elanna. That's B'Elanna that definitely. Head. That's put, yeah. her putting
0: her own spin on this. Um, the mom's running around trying to pick up, trying to find things. She's like, "I'm, I've got a lecture to do tonight. Uh, it's your turn to make dinner." And the daughter's just going, "Dad, dad, dad,
1: dad. <laughs> mom, mom, mummy, mummy, mummy." She's, she's stewy,
0: <laughs> exactly. And it's like, no, this is this is closer to something more realistic, you know, mm-hmm. by way of Bellana Taurus. but still, it gives the doctor. More to react to, to work with, to understand what it is to be in a family, and right. um, one of the things that happens—I mean, his son has cling on friends that the doctor doesn't approve of, and it's like, why? How is he so racist? But okay, whatever. Um, yeah, right. I mean, he's worried about his kids. He's, yeah, he he originally programmed them to be perfect and to you know adulate him. Uh, so right. he's like, they're they're disobeying me. He tries to call a family meeting, and everyone's like. This sucks.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, Whatever, bro, I'm what out of here. here. Yeah, out of here. The
0: daughter wants to play Parisi Squares. He's thinking, oh, this is so dangerous. And it turns out that it is.
1: I would love to finally see... What Parisi squares is like because yeah. it, it was a big game in the original series um, that that Riker played. That if you remember that episode where they're at the Starbase and like Tasha and and Worf have a team of security people. They're going to play and they kind of describe it a little bit, but it's obviously like football crossed with lacrosse crossed with soccer, but super violent because mm-hmm. this, this poor girl, you know, you see what happens to her, you hear what happens to her, but yeah. we still don't see the game.
0: Yeah. So, uh, eventually you find there's an accident, uh, and she can't be saved. Uh, the doctor yeah. operates on her, his team of physicians operates on her and whatever the reason she can't be saved, she's going to die. And he deals with this by saying, I've completed the program. I'm done.
1: I'm good. I'm he just good. I'm all Runs
0: sad. away from it, decides he's right. just not, not going to deal with it. And, you know, that's. You know, introduces the stages of grief. You know, this is this is denial, and you have Tom Paris coming in for treatment from a reckless activity that he volunteered to do. There's an anomaly out there that he went into. It's right. the B plot, yeah,
1: B story, is such a snoozer. You know,
0: but it <laughs> it means that the doctor's admonishing Tom for being so reckless, and it's this transference of the anger stage from. You know what he—the anger he feels towards his daughter—that uh, he's transferring onto Paris, and right. Paris is like, "What's up?" And Paris also, as we know, has some issues with his family, uh, but he has some words to say too about this, which, um, right. you know, it's it's unusually poignant for Tom Paris. But I think that he's a really good character to bring this information in and have this conversation with with the doctor where he has to realize you know what you've got to accept this sometimes bad things happen and that's part of being in a family
1: right
0: so he goes back
1: yeah, no this this was a great one, yeah. and I I think for some reason I didn't see this one when it first aired, missed it for some reason, um or I may have I may have caught a bit of these in rerun, so it's like summer '97. I was yeah. catching up on a bunch of these, but yeah, what a I mean for the emotional impact and I think for character development, this might be the best one of the patch. But again, yeah. we we keep going on, and there there are you know kind of greater and greater ones as we go with with only you know we're only talking about six episodes here, but you know we, we we don't really drop the ball, but but maybe once in this grouping. So, well, cool. Uh, All right, let's move it forward. Episode 23 is Distant Origin, directed by David Livingston, regular uh, talent of the series. This is uh, Braga uh, Braga and Minoski, two of the Mm -hmm. regulars on the writing staff from April of 97, a reptilian scientist trying to prove his uh, heretical beliefs or theories, kidnaps Chakotay, and draws the entire crew into conflict. With his between his racist doctrine and the startling truth about its origin, uh, this also came out just a few um, weeks or just a couple of months prior to uh, the second Jurassic Park film in oh. in the summer of 1997. That's um, fitting. <laughs> which I always wondered, and particularly, I, I even think the like in reruns there was some kind of summertime promotion that made mention of it like not that dinosaur thing blah 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 and then it was this episode <laughs> I thought it just really fit the bill uh but this was great we had an episode that was that was told um right from the you know we we didn't see the ship show up at all until Maybe the second or third act. Yeah. So the whole first act was these two basically dinosaur scientist guys running around. They show up. Uh, they they go they go to the planet that we saw at the beginning of the series, where the uh, beginning of the season where the crew was stranded. Um, they get the remnants of Hogan's uniform. Hogan who got eaten by a lizard in that episode, and they looked at his badge and they figured out that oh, we could rebuild the fact that he was a biped, and his name is on the back of his rank badge. So he's from a ship called Voyager and they use their super technology to scan and eventually find the ship and they board it and they get, they board it, but they have cloaking, personal cloaking devices. Mm-hmm. They get revealed. They have a small firefight. They end up capturing Chakotay kind of by accident, but one of their people uh, gets captured. And then the, I love the, the doctor in Janeway. They do this, um trying to figure out what he is by going to the holodeck and entering information and this hologram changes. <laughs> and I love the doctor saying the, the fella who's napping in sick bay is a dinosaur. Yeah, (laughs) it was awesome. So yeah, it was, this was, uh, you know, what, what's uh, illustrated to us. Um, And again, it pits the overall idea in society in general of, of religious dogma or, Mm -hmm. you know, some kind of, theory or you know group or whatever it is versus science and science science as you know the doctor and Janeway and then obviously Chakotay kind of on his own walk through is that um you know there was a group of honest to god dinosaurs that before you know 65 million years ago before the uh Before the big old meteor smashed into Earth and wiped them all out, somebody, you know, herded them into a ship and said, let's get out of here, and flew back to the Delta Quadrant, and they landed them on a planet, and they continued to evolve, and they became a bipedal sentient, not sentient, but really, you know, a bipedal species much like our own, but... As it turns out, with much greater technology. Um, but the the elder dinosaur is just not having this shit. So she says, yep, we captured you. And uh, if you persist in this, we're going to destroy the Voyager ship and strand everyone in a prison colony. And so our science guy eventually has to back down, which sucks. But it rings a little too true of some things that we see in societies throughout history and maybe even some things that are happening in this day and age. Mm-hmm. Um, which... I found this to be incredibly forward thinking. So yeah. I was, I, re, you know, as I said, just keeps better, getting better, and better. And I'm on the last page of our summary and of the next three episodes, only the next one that we're going to talk about, I didn't really care for the other two were totally awesome. So great, great six pack of episodes. But anyway, your thoughts.
0: Um, I, I, I really like this one also. Um, I have My notes have uh, her listed as Dinosaur Kai-Win. Oh, Uh, big
1: time. Yeah. Yes. Um,
0: And uh, the struggle between science and doctrine is so, again, you have a tragedy at the end of this one because she's like, could you be mistaken? And she keeps insisting that he He, I.
1: I super can, am not mistaken. Yeah. Right.
0: But until she decides to imprison Voyager's crew and say that, well, they can't have anything to do with us either. We have to put them on a prison planet. Then he recants. And it's, it's again, it's tragic. Um, One thing that I want to say, the note, I have uh, 47 genetic markers that are similar. So magic number. Uh, I
1: love me some, Uh, it's the name of the show.
0: uh, (laughs) Yeah. Non-indigenous beings have no rights under doctrine. Uh, mm, so, yeah, because you're
1: your chattel, they're, co- right. they're, they're livestock.
0: Um, and again, a really neat sci-fi concept. Um, the mm-hmm, science mm-hmm. itself makes not a lot of sense because, in order to work, we'd have to have a race of lizard people on Atlantis, essentially. Um, which means they're down that, there.
1: Yeah. They'll find them. Um, on, do they find them on Sequest? Are we even the watch second season yet?
0: No, but they find them on Doctor <laughs> Who.
1: Yeah. And oh, th- this, well. There you go. You got this it. This would
0: be. I, I. think this would be a great idea for a Doctor Who episode. I have Ooh, seen crossover. Most of Doctor Who, like this, got a very Doctor Who vibe from me. Gotcha. Um, more than a trick there- vibe.
1: There have been um, comic book connections between okay. Doctor Who and and uh, TNG in particular uh, through IDW publishing in the last 20 years. We've, I've, I've read a few of them, but <laughs> yeah, they're great. And you're right. A dinosaur mm-hmm. follow-up would be awesome. Yeah. I, oh, fanfic from Jen. I want to <laughs> see it. I want to see it. I want to see TNG and pick the doctor of your choosing and do a dinosaur. So. I'm into um, it.
0: But yeah, it's, it's still very much fits a Star Trek because you've got that war between you know science and you've got this first contact situation here and how do you handle it how do they handle it they seem to have their own version of the prime directive where they're you know not interfering they've got their own cloaking um are they really more advanced if their technology is superior right. but their social they,
1: and- yeah yeah exactly it's yeah. very it's very backwards yeah, yeah. it's
0: uh it's an interesting interesting contrast
1: Yeah, definitely um, Mm -hmm. an interesting uh, and 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 certainly one of my favorites. And again, I'm pretty sure that I caught this in summertime reruns. And because it was it was the Lost World, that was the second Jurassic Park movie, the one with the one where where Jeff Goldblum was the star. And I feel like the promotion at that time, because that was the summer movie, came out in June or July, uh, really like it connected in that exact same way. So that's always how I think of this one. Like, Oh, it's, this is the Jurassic world of star Trek. Um, So, okay, cool. Well, let's, let's move along to, did I read that one? Or did you read that last one? Oh, okay. Go for um, it. All right.
0: The next one is displaced uh, directed by Alan Croker and written by Lisa clink aired May 7th, 1997 Uh, crew members are replaced one by one with aliens from an unknown race. So we've got, Random people showing up in place of the Voyager crew. Um, they've got about 18 hours before they're fully replaced by these aliens that are just inexplicably switching places with the
1: Voyager. And crew. as we find out, they're just playing dumb. Oh, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, they're, they're yeah exactly
0: saying that uh, to to appear benign, basically, right. so so that the Voyager crew will trust them. And right. I didn't actually remember this one that well, so I was kind of like, why don't we trust the Marians? Yeah. But turns out we're right to not trust them. Right, Janeway, exactly. kind of got that, like, mm, something's something's not right yeah. here. Yeah, S-
1: something's smelling great in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. exactly.
0: So, um, is it this way? This way. Yeah. Um, we find that the stories of the Voyager precede it, uh, that they're becoming known and anticipated throughout the quadrant because the area that the Voyager crew are being displaced into is a, uh, environment which is created specifically for them.
1: Hmm. And curious. Told,
0: yeah. That sounds familiar, <laughs> doesn't it? Um, hmm. so they're told just, why don't you just be grateful that we have this great place set up for you? Right. And, uh, accept your situation gracefully is just a gentler way to say resistance is futile.
1: Mm, Yes. Quite graceful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's very cozy. And why wouldn't you want to live here while Mm -hmm. we steal your tech and (laughs) use all your stuff for this and that? So Yeah. yeah, I just, um, yeah, I'm with you. I, again, this is one I saw in reruns, and even rewatching it now, I had the same experience. I feel like I've always had with with this one, which I just I just wasn't paying attention. I think the only thing worthwhile was that we saw, and we're getting ever closer to you know, and Tom and Bellana becoming yeah. an actual couple, which happens almost immediately in season four, so we're just a yeah. few episodes away from that, but you get them, you know, they're spending time together on the holodeck, Tom has um, basically a version of Worf's calisthenics program mm-hmm. where they're fighting monsters with a bat left, but again, you know, uh, Melana's busy resisting his charm, so that part's a l- little bit textbook, but then they have a lot of interactive back and forth when they're trying to, you know, go between the habitats and basically, uh, you know, break out, and they're, you know, Tom's like, you know, I'm giving you an order, you you can't give me an order. Oh, I have two days seniority, and I'm a bridge officer. It's like they're having their little flirting, whatever it is. That's about it. Um, the The plot to me seemed very formulaic and super duper forgettable. I don't even remember why the the Nerians were doing what they were. It, it was, you know, That's did just they have their way something? of
0: colonizing. They yeah. said that this was their preferred method to warfare. It's yeah, it's a it's a gentler assimilation technique. Um, I've I've said. About previous episodes in season three, that they're sort of metaphorical uh, Borg sorts of things, where there's a lot of stories about colonization and ways that can, you know, colonies can exist, right. and you know the harm that's done to people through that. Because um, right. we see that similar things in *Favorite Son*, we even see talks of colonization in *Distant Origin*, where it's like, well, True. is this True. a colony? It's a dinosaur colony. Um, but this shows the impact that it can have on our crew when yep. they're forcibly removed from what they consider their home on Voyager. Right. So it definitely has something to say about that. Yeah. Um, true, the Tom and true. B'Elanna plot does sort of take over near the end. But uh, the thing that I like about Tom and B'Elanna is that they're um, they're organic. I They were mm-hmm. not planned to be together from the beginning of the show. Right. Um, and I think true. when Star Trek does romance well, it's stuff that isn't planned so it's Tom not Volana, like it's
1: not like Riker and troy where it's right. like oh blank here it is from the beginning but we're gonna pull away from it and then we'll pull back to it and then we'll it's, pull it's way tough, away from it you yeah. don't
0: expect like this or like to paul and trip on enterprise or even Dax. like i don't yeah i don't know anyone that expected that to happen and it was right. great right. so um yeah uh they're they're building solutions in a cave with a box of scraps like Iron
1: yeah. Man. Yeah, exactly. Uh,
0: but yeah, it's a. Uh, in general, I, I I like the Tom and Belana
1: of this. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. Jumping in, jumping into an episode that I totally dug. I, I watched it, finished watching this just <laughs> earlier this week, and I've always loved this one. But again, I didn't see it at the beginning. Uh episode 25 is worst case scenario. Uh Alexander Singer, a regular, is the director. Ken Biller is the writer. Same thing, a regular, so you got that going for it. Uh May of 97, uh, B'Elanna discovers a holodeck program where chakotay and the Maquis rebel against Janeway and take over the ship. Insurrection alpha. <laughs> I thought this was great. Um, so, it, you know, and, and it's a great, it's its a bit of a mystery at the start. Uh, you open up with Balana just walking down a corridor. She's wearing her regular uniform. But if you get closer, you see she has an ensign's pip on. Yeah. So it's like, what? Well, what's that all about? Regular, you know, regular looking Chakotay walks up, which again, you know, Chakotay at the end of season three and Chakotay at the end of season one wouldn't look the same. But it's like, OK, well, you know, you're not going to change his hairstyle for this one episode. Plus, <laughs> plus that, you know, it's just that's just poetic license. That's all right. Uh, but you, yeah, but you quickly find out that this is half of a program about well, what would we do if the Maquis decided to rise up? Even though there's, you know, less than a less than a quarter of the crew is Maquis. You know, they could still find a way if they got mm-hmm. some of the Starfleet people on their side to take the ship, and and what would that be like? Um, so. yeah, Belana had discovered this by accident. She gets Tom involved. Everybody starts finding out about it. They're all playing it. Tuvok then reveals that um, he wrote half of the program, but eventually decided it wasn't really necessary, and he gave up writing it. But it's agreed that like, hey, you know what? You know, this is everybody's having fun with this. You know what? You know, You know we're we're you know we're we're potentially a generational ship, and you know having our own entertainment and and art and culture is something that's really key. So I'd like to see it finished, and so Tuvok and Tom take on the course of finishing it themselves. But by opening it up, they find out that it's a trap laid by the now deceased Seska. Before she left the ship, she found the program. She's
0: got a present for you. Oh, you!
1: She turned it into a death. (laughs) It's a death present, and it's so much fun. So oh. It was just, it was great. So, yeah, so you got Tom and Tuvok running around in this deadly hologram. Again, you know, holodeck with, you know, no safety protocol. Why does anybody use the holodeck anymore? You know, you stand a a good like three out of five chances that it's going to kill you, but people still keep going back. I guess it's there. Is it like people who like extreme sports is like using the holodeck? Like, I know it could kill me, but I sure do love, you know, surfing with the sharks or whatever. I don't know anything about I that kind know. of stuff.
0: I'm not that person.
1: I know, but um, I I love this. It was um, it it was a great Star Trek story. It was a great adventure mm-hmm. story. You got to see our our characters all, and it's one of those great episodes. Um, uh, you know, Robbie McNeil McNeil over on Delta Flyers talks all the time about he loves episodes of their shows where everybody in the cast has something to do yes within the the and everybody did so you had Blonda tom harry maybe not so much neelix kind of sorta chakotay was a big part janeway was a big part mm-hmm. and then you got a uh you got a dead bad guy coming back in the yeah. form of a hologram who is still incredibly lethal so you know you know, no matter what they do, you know, Tom and uh, Tom and, and Tuvok are not going to make it out alive. And it was just it was very it was fun and exciting. And I love the twists and turns. And and they, they, Janeway had the narrative parameters file open so she could write things that could happen. And, you know, then a plasma torch would appear so they could put out a fire in front of them or you they could give them a phaser. They, yeah. Yeah. You know,
0: even when they thought that they couldn't, they found ways to help, which I think is a exactly. really Star Trek thing to do. I know. Um, I, I, I like this one very much. Also uh the the conversations about what does the pro- what should the program be uh reminds me very much of discourse that you have on the internet uh which i'm sure was happening at the time as well um, right the beginning but, of the internet yeah and and definitely now it it kind of calls forward to well the show should be you know the the hollow novel should be logical it was not meant to be a, a hollow novel and tom's got this I- these ideas which as Tuvok says, do not flow from logic. Uh, right. You know, you need characters to act in character. Um,
1: Tehane and the, po- yeah. uh, uh, oh God, I'm just, the, the the dictates of poetics.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> so everyone's got different ideas about how the show should go according to what they want it right. to be. Kind of instead of just sort of letting Tuvok write what was intended. Um, right. But Nobody's really wrong about it either. Everyone gets a different thing out of the hollow novel. Some people it's excitement. Some people it's you know the intrigue. Some people it's something else. Um, I had a, a, the notes. Uh, the doctor says, I have ideas. Tuvok says, go to your room. And just like shuts it off.
1: <laughs> That's kind of how
0: I interpreted that oh, one. It's yes. like deactivate the hologram. Um, oh my
1: gosh. Yeah, it was, it was but awesome.
0: I, I like this one. I mean, it was a bottle episode. um, yeah. Which I... Don't mind because the next episode is definitely not a bottle episode because we've got so much going on in the next one. Holy cow. Well,
1: yeah, let's, yeah, yeah. let's, let's definitely not waste any time and we'll jump into the season finale. This one's all yours.
0: Uh, Scorpion part one, uh, directed by David Livingston, written by Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, aired May 21st, 1997. Voyager must pass through Borg space only to discover a new alien race that is even deadlier than the Borg. (sighs)
1: Oh my gosh. Yes, the only... um, We're talking about Species 8472. The only um, merch 8472 related actually came out. There were two. They actually came out around this time. I had one, but not the other. One was a box set of Playmate figures of that and Harry Kim, but Harry Kim was all you know, gr- because Ooh, it because attacks him. It, yeah. So he has a little bit of that. And the other one was a, basically a bendy figure. And that's the one that I had that you could be like, like not like stretch Armstrong, like it was big, but it was like, you know, or you could yeah. even go. Ram, ram. That was, I, I had that. It's <laughs> obviously lost it over the years, but that would be a super cool figure. If they ever really get back into the swing of making Star yeah. Trek figures, I'd I'd love to have that one, but Oh my gosh. Okay. I jumped in, but yeah, this is yours. Yeah. So just break it down for me. What, right. what, is, what are you feeling watching oh my this?
0: God. Um, we got the shortest cold open ever just board ships exploding. Um, and we're like 15 seconds. Second. What's yeah. going on here? Um, big time. We have the, I think the first appearance of Da Vinci. Yep. As the holiday program. Um, yeah.
1: John Reese Davies, Sala from Raiders of the Lost Ark
0: and professor Arturo from sliders, which is how Ooh. I first encountered him
1: sliders is. I just made plans with Todd Oxford. That's going to be a future segment of the facts of geek life. We're going to record next month. Um,
0: I like this as her hollow program of choice, as opposed to the like weird romance novel thing. Yeah. Um, It just feels better for her as a scientist and, and and a woman who's very curious. Um, Right. But anyway, that aside, we are entering Borg space. Um, We knew it was going to happen. We knew this was going to be here. Uh, And finally we're here and they find that they're, uh, is a species that is, you know species 8472 they figure out that the this is the enemy of the borg and there's two ways that this could go um chicote says why don't we just settle down why don't we just kind of either turn back or figure is, out you know
1: we can right. cannot is, cross we're the gonna borg go?
0: space yeah. right and jane was like no, we're going to find a way because she is so determined to get these people home right. that she's going to make an alliance with the Borg to get through their space. And right. Chakotay <laughs> brings up the the parable of the scorpion and and the fox. Um, the scorpion wants to cross the river. The fox says, I can't carry you because uh, you will sting me and we will both drown. Uh, no, the scorpion says that. If I sting you, then we'll both drown. Um, right. Right. They go through it, the scorpion stings the fox, and that scorpion says it's in its nature to do that.
1: And they both die. And they both die. So
0: he uses this as a cautionary tale to to Janeway to kind of go, why don't we rethink this? And like so many good Star Trek episodes, neither one is right and neither one is wrong. It could right. really go either way, and the and, deepest
1: of the moral quandaries, yeah,
0: yeah. So that moral quandary is at the heart of this episode. Um, they do go onto the the cube and find that it's, um, you know, there's there's piles of Borg here. Kes has right. a vision about piles of Borg and about how everyone's going to die. Um, they run into eight four seven two on the cube. Uh, the CG was great at this time.
1: Uh, yeah, but it big looks time.
0: not so great now. But back yeah. then, this was amazing.
1: I know, <laughs> and plus, and plus, can you imagine? And God, I hope someday that Voyager does get remade into high definition. This is—it's clearly only standard definition. It like yeah. what this would look like if it was kind of on par with what we're seeing these days. It's—it's it's kind of scary, but so cutting edge for nineteen ninety-seven yeah. with the and on TV. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but yeah, just an absolute great story. Mm-hmm. um I tuned in and, and watched this obviously when it aired on on because again, this was a network show, so the air dates you see here aren't just week of it's it was on yeah. that day and it was on Wednesdays or Thursdays or something um and this was just like, wow, you know Voyager and d s nine for airing at the same time just had absolutely nothing to do with each other, which is something that I know a lot of people in fandom struggle with particularly with the newer stuff like, well, this isn't my Star Trek because it's not like A, B and C. Well, oh, you know what? There's this other show airing at the same time that's totally different, but it's got a different vibe. And if they all had the same vibe, I say this all the time, you know, if if, if you ate pizza for breakfast, lunch and dinner, how long would it take before you couldn't even look at a pizza? You know what right. I mean? It's Life has to have some variety. Storytelling, entertainment has to have different bits and pieces to it or just who cares, right? Um, and th- this really delivered that in spades. So it was great. Um, it started the tradition of Janeway goes crazy for a little bit, but then, you know, and Chakotay's like, you can't do this. She does that in Equinox. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does that in um, the uh, Unimatrix Zero. Like, well, i got to do this thing. And I know you don't agree with me, but at the end of it, you know, they they kind of hug it out and kiss and make up for lack of a better Um
0: I would challenge the use of the word "crazy." There, I think that she's passionate about sure, sure her, her goal, she, she, and she is. You know, Chicote says that her her passion and her goal are blinding her to
1: reason. More accurate, absolutely, yes. blinding blinding to reason. Which, again, you know, in Equinox, for example, which is you know Same, two seasons from now, similar her thing. her rage and and like I, her desire to to punish. Captain Ransom in that story for what he was doing, which we t- we talked about Equinox mm-hmm. in our bracket challenge, kind of bl- blinding her to her regular, you know, character traits, her you know general way of being. Much more anchored, so I appreciate that correction. I do think
0: it's in character for her, though, because she is so passionate, and she does have these goals. Um, right. It's just that when you're out there on your own with no one to fall back on, and you're the one who's in control, uh, right. You, it, the stress levels are very high. Right. And she's going to suffer uh, stress and, and trauma, and I think that that would make anybody – act, quote unquote, out of character, but it stems from the traits that she's already shown.
1: Right, Um, right. And if it happens consistently, doesn't that really constitute her character? It is. That's the thing. It is consistent. Yeah. Yeah. I had not thought about it that way. I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Even I am (laughs) capable of learning something in my old, old fan ways. Well, that wraps up. Mm -hmm. Season three, not season four. Um, Let's do a favorite and a least favorite of this grouping Mm. uh, before we wrap things up. So let's go with the favorite. I know this is a big struggle for me, but I'll I'll, I'll throw you out there. You can go first. Um, Just a favorite. Just a favorite. My
0: favorite of this is real life. I I kind of knew that even before, like when I saw what the grouping here was, I think that it is – it's poignant. It has a message. It's great character development for the doctor. Um, and it just, it, it it gets me in a place where I really feel something. Um, the least favorite is Displaced. Even though it's got the, the Tom and Bellana of it that I like the, the main plot, even though it has something to say, um, they all have something to say, but Displaced sure. is probably the weakest of this yeah. for me.
1: Yeah. I, I hate to echo it, but I, I kind of have to, say the exact same thing across the board (laughs) while scorpion um part one or it was actually just called scorpion at the time it became a part one after there was a part two um it was the the big flash and the excitement and the cliffhanger and you're like oh my gosh that's one of the best when you really cut to the core of character development seeing a character grow Mm -hmm. um there's no other way to slice it that that real life really 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 makes a difference um Mm -hmm. in and the doctor and his, you know, role as what every Star Trek has, which is the non-human character that reflects back on humanity. Spock, Odo, Seven of Nine. Later in this show, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Worf and, and and TNG and DS nine. Um, so several characters, but definitely one per show. Um, this this I think, you know, much like the. Um, the two-parter in season seven with where all the Herogian holograms have run amok and how the doctor gets thrown into that plot line uh, really shows us how the characters grow. But yeah, uh, w- right there with you with Displaced, it's, it's kind of a, it's a nothing burger to me. It's another kind of story of the week. And yeah, the Tom and Blana piece is, is not enough to carry an episode. Um, So they have to kind of, they have to kind of wad it into this piece of gum of this other, you know, kind of run of the mill, boring plot line. So, oh, well, Um, well, cool. Gosh! All right, wrapping up. Um, so we, uh, as a show, are going to be moving on to season three of Enterprise in our next episode. Um, and Jen, thank you so much for joining in. Uh, not you know, not Thanks only for having to, me on, yeah, to having this. You know, you're part of our family now uh, here on Code Forty Seven. So we know that we're going to see you back in the future. Um, but the beauty of having as I said, you and Kay and Peter and Missy as a, a stable of, of, of contributors is that uh, I love working with all you guys. You all have a lot of really interesting, diverse, different perspectives, and I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> so where do people find you out there in the uh, in the real in the real world, as it were, <laughs> online, um, in the real world of online?
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh- I have a link tree, so that's linktree slash Jen Watson Art uh, that has links to my Etsy shop, my Instagram, uh, my Facebook page for my art as well. Uh, pretty much everywhere except for Twitter, I'm Jen Watson Art. So you can find me there
1: totally awesome and as always you can find me over on Twitter at the C3 go ahead and spell it out Uh, my lovely wife and April and I do run the USS Grand Petoskey as I had mentioned one of the biggest chapters of the international Star Trek fan club in the world I also run region 13 which is Michigan and eastern Canada if you are a trekker within the sound of my voice or no matter where you are uh, find us uh, at the socials uh, USS Grand Petoskey and I'm happy to connect you with trekkers in your necker of the woods so So with that, friends, as always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trekking.
0: And be the Starfleet that you wish to see in the world. This podcast is part of the Secret Friends Unite podcasting network. Visit secretfriendsunite.com for more great shows, articles, news, reviews, and more. Secret Friends Unite podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast services
1: around the world.